0: Podcasting Network. Go
1: ahead. And start when you're ready.
2: Okay. Hi, podcasters. We're starting off with the music. Uh, Music will be an important part because it's really a a real passion of mine that I would like to um, introduce some ideas about, particularly jazz music, uh, which produces a vibration that's sometimes stronger than words that can penetrate our being. Anyway, as um, this little jazz series, and I'll say a little more as we go along, but I'm gonna start off with George Gershwin, who was um, one of the major factors of jazz really becoming a, a, a form of an art form uh, for Americans. It's jazz is American's art form, um, one thing that it's really known for, that Europe hasn't first got to. Okay, so we're going to start off, I'm going to do two by George Gershwin. Um, nice work, if you can get it, one of his little earlier works. And a beautiful ballad called, let's um, see if I remember the ballad. What's it called? Uh, Someone to Watch Over Me. Okay.
0: Welcome to Life Lessons with Jim Carolla and Ray Oldhofer.
2: Okay, welcome, podcasters. Um, we're back again, and it sounds like we're doing pretty good, uh, thanks to you tuning us in. And this morning, I in the music part of it, the, the music part is uh, to do with a real passion of mine, and um, particularly in jazz. Um, so I'm going to also do kind of a short uh, jazz history as we... Go along. So we started off with George Gershwin this morning, a really prolific uh, composer in the twenties and thirties, and jazz loved his music, and he was a real. Um, uh, he he wanted he wanted in depth in harmony and studied in Europe and in composition and wrote an opera. So he's quite quite a quite a musician. George Gershwin. God, yeah, George Gershwin. Right.
3: Did he have a partner too?
2: His brother, Rosara, who wrote the lyrics, who was equally his talent, he was a real poet um, with the lyrics.
3: By the way, when did you turn into Ken Burns? Ah,
2: uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> jazz. That's right, Ken Burns did one on jazz, too. Yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll demonstrate it a little bit. Anyway, today we we started with Gershom. I'm going to stay with him for a couple of few weeks because he was a prolific, as I say, writer, but wrote so many things. And such a good musician. And died young in his late 30s. Uh, God knows if he lived what he would have. Of what? Um, well, he fell off of a horse. It was from an accident, but it began to deteriorate. And I don't know what the final thing that uh, would actually uh, uh, kill him. Um, the horse, but falling off the horse and the damage from that eventually. He was in a chair. and Ugh. I don't know when he died, but he was... Quite a guy. So we're going to stop to listen to his music. And it was, he wrote Porky and Bess as well, and um, Concerto for Clarinet, and um, just some unbelievable. He studied with Madame Blouzet, who was a French compositionist, who all the great music writers, um, um, which I'm trying to think of some of the American composers. I think including Stravinsky, they studied with her. She was really uh, a great compositionist. Okay, so hey, music. Do you think we yeah.
3: should we th- we should uh, I think we should congratulate your son?
2: Yeah, go ahead. You know. <laughs> uh,
3: Big A is uh, the world's most downloaded podcast. Guinness Book of World Records stuff. Yeah. I mean, every, when you were a kid, you aspired to be in the Guinness World Book of Records at some level, you know? I mean, every kid had yeah. it, mm-hmm. thumbed through it. Like, oh, I could gain 900 pounds, I could do that one, you know? Sure. Or you look at the push-ups or whatever there were, and you would look at it and surmise where you could fit in. And he, he did it.
2: Yeah. And he's um, in it. Unbelievable. When Adam sets his sights on something, he usually goes after it. Uh, I'm probably the oldest man on the podcast. Hey, wait a minute. Maybe uh, I'm... Carl Guinness! Yeah. I mean, how many... Quick! Anybody? <laughs> are they 90? Somebody older <laughs> than I am? Um, anyway, so we're going to continue on today. We started last week uh, speaking about... And I'll I'll go back to the to the couple people that... One person, Gail, yeah, that wrote in. I have to remember to respond to that. Um... And it was very well written, which he wrote in. It was a very good uh, comment, commentary. Okay, so um, here we go. We start today, and we're going to continue on what we call thinking, um, mind. Now we're going to start to go into what what is thinking, and what is the uh, tradition's idea of thinking, particularly Buddhism. Um, and we're going to explore that a, a little further. Um, one time Buddha, a little story of Buddha, he was, he was heading for some town or something, or he's with his group, and, um, and they asked him, who should we say you are? And, uh, and others said, well, how about we can say you are the man with the most knowledge, you're the man that really helped the world to begin with consciousness and so forth. And he said, uh, I'm the man who's awake. Now, that's the kind of theme we're also going through on the show, to see the difference between sleep and consciousness and what it would be to be awake.
3: Hey, Jim, on that same note, can you tell that um, um, Gandhi story? Which The one where the procession, you know, and the kid, the chubby kid.
2: Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, Ray's talking about people went to Gandhi, a name that we all know, most of us know, the Indian um, revolutionary uh, that took on all of England and and actually won. He got what he wanted. But anyway, people would see him, you know, for different kinds of problems and so on. And and this is the story Ray's talking about. Make it real short. and they were consulting. There'd be lines of people that want to see him. And one woman came to him with her son and said, um, you know, he, he's, he's addicted to sweets. He wants them all the time. You know, help us. What can we do? So I said, all right, let me, let me think about it. And they came back a few weeks later or something. I said, you know, uh, have you thought of something? He said, you know, I, I still don't have it down yet. And they came back a second time. They said, you know, what, what have you been doing, <laughs> researching?" Or he said, "No, I said I've been trying to get off sweets myself." In other words, before I before I uh, uh, try to help you, I want to go through the experience of seeing what it'd be like to get off of an habitual habit. So then he began to advise him from that point of view, and so that's the story that Ray's talking about. Uh, so our Buddha says the same thing. You know, the same. I'm thinking the same thing that uh, Jesus said to his disciples. They both had disciples, people that followed him. Who do you say I am? It's really funny. He, that question comes up to both of those. Um, they name certain things and so on. And he, the answer was somewhat awake. He didn't say awake, but he said I. You know, he came from another level. Um, the father and was bringing something new to this level. And Buddha did the same thing. All right. And the rest, you know, some of the other major mystics and saints of the world um, also are brought important material and also had followings. All right. So we want to, I'm going to give you some things where I'm coming from and maybe begin to suggest And One thing is that, for example, in the um uh, in the New York Times on Wednesdays they have an air, um, a category called science and uh it's an interesting if you if you would buy just the Wednesdays uh of New York Times it comes out every Wednesday and uh I have a <laughs> sort of our, <laughs> in the New York Times um I mean that's the day that the articles come out on. it's about 3 or 4 pages and it's about experiments and in, in um in neurology and testings of different kinds, a lot to do with psychology and also physical things as well. The one in this one was interesting because it's kind of related to the maze that I'm going to be talking about in a moment. They found out in their study, there's this whole part of psychology called rat psychology. I remember those laboratories. Um, psychology deals with experimenting with rats. And they have these maze. they'll have a maze and they'll have a um, a structure containing a intricate um network of winding passages. Uh that's kind of what a um a maze is. You go down the rats go down one run. they go another and they're searching for the food and they're sniffing, and they're trying to do all that have to make a left, they have to make a right, they have to get on that thing. And this, and in doing that research, in this article of Wednesday, saying that uh, they that um, the rat, there are certain rats that hung right on the side. They they wouldn't explore. They wouldn't explore. They were like anxious. Or they were afraid and so forth. And they put the electro bomb. They found like that part of the a brain that if they uh, it was called the optic genetics. I think it was called um, that when they that would get right into that Neuropathway, they would sh- put some light on it, some kind of radiation or light, and that affected the behavior of the animals, and they would leave the side that they were clinging to in fear, and now they become part of the search team looking for the food. So, r- related to what I'm talking about, mechanics on two levels the mechanics of mind and um, the maze that humans live in. So the labyrinth. Um, we're we're kind of in a labyrinth too. We're born, you know, in a certain place, certain parents, and so on. You get certain kinds of conditioning. Uh, easy to take wrong roads, wrong wrong turns. Um, um, but develop a kind of conditional ordinary eye, or thinking, from all of that And the maze. What am I call men. The lost amazement. Um, our most serious obstacle is the uncontrollable urge to convert everything to the familiar. That's an important line. Everything that comes in goes back to that maze conditioning um, uh, that it's familiar. To reduce everything to that level. So, what's familiar in the conditioned life? Um, the programs and all of that, we reduce it to that. So it's a realization that, you know, there's something in us that must open to something that's more than this material that's comfortable or just familiar.
3: Yeah, well, you format everything to fit something. Mm-hmm. That's funny you say. I mean, it's not funny you say that, but it's when you think about your everyday life or people you've met, like you categorize it and put it in something that's... Familiar, so you can handle it at a level. Right. You know, you don't have to look at it really. You just put it away and it doesn't even hit you.
2: Yeah. And you can do that
3: for a lifetime.
2: Mm hmm. And all those neural pathways are in the brain and they're all set to our reactivity and we can go on forever that way. So something that could ever touch us must somehow get beyond that circuitry. Now, for the rats, it was the the shock of the light. But also, the human brain is the same thing. I mean, in neurology, uh, they know different parts of the brain that have uh, related to certain behavior. Um, That's also going to come in what I'm going to be talking about uh, related to thinking. So, for example, let's say they hook, hook, uh, hook me up to all these electrodes. And they know through experimenting at a certain place in the brain that if they shocked it, it would bring on a behavior. And one part of the, I forget which part of the brain it is, but it's, um, uh, it's anger. So so the experimenter in the next room presses a button and, they, uh, and that lets, lets up the anger in me. Now all of a sudden I'm beginning to feel angry. I mean it's foolproof. It's going to activate that area in the brain I'm feeling very angry. Now, an interesting happens. Even though I'm sit there, there's nothing, let's say, I'm angry about at that moment. I'm just sitting in a laboratory. Oh, I want to get this over with or something. But as but soon as I'm shocked in that area, immediately thought processes come in and think of some reason why I should be angry. That's a big finding. So what comes first is more of the emotions is what I'm saying. And then immediately the mind comes, works on it. So somebody sitting in that lab they were, got angry and began to think. Now, what did that person mean by that? All of a sudden, that thought comes up for them, and now they're—
3: What the fuck are you talking about? Hmm.
2: All right. Um,
3: Speaking of what are you talking about, let's um, let's go to let's go to our sponsor for okay, a second. Okay,
2: let's go to our sponsor.
3: Hey, everybody! If you shop at Amazon.com. Like I don't, but you probably do. You know how convenient it is, and you know what great deals you get always. If you want to support the show, and I hope you do, every time you shop at Amazon, use the Amazon link on our site to get there. You support us with every purchase. You can even bookmark it, and we really appreciate it. Unbeatable convenience, amazing prices, great shipping rates. I love Amazon.com just because they support us. And I hope you do, too. So please do. Thanks, Amazon.
2: So the mechanics of mind. First place, it's very mechanical. And they can set up other areas of the brain that set off one thing or another. So something from the outside world bothers us, and that sets off something else. And and we get to the mechanical mechanics of the brain. So that's the first thing to know. It's it's a machine that can easily be programmed, and there's... there's, um, parts that produce different kinds of behavior. Now, um, okay, I want to move now to something more functional in this. Um, um, I want to introduce something. In fact, with the three of us, we can begin to get involved with this. So the mechanics of mind. This may sound strange. I'm taking a very different view here. Um, But the first practical steps in learning how to think is to find a friend. And I know that might hit us. Now, they, they write about relationships in all different forms, marital relationships, sexual, business. Um, um, but I'm saying that there's a very important relationship to do with a friend related to the thinking of her pursuit of understanding and intelligence. A friend said, say, that's weird, girl. What do you mean by that? A person would have the ability to step back from the whirl of life's problems, and the two of you um, would be able to get a little dizzy, would be able to talk about it. I'm going to call it like a philosophical friend. Now, we know lots of people, but we may not have one philosophical friend. I don't know. And we have these at different stages in life. So go back to your own life. I'm going to go to childhood. We're going to start there and get Gary and Ray and Bob. Let me just tell you, start what I mean. Okay, childhood. Here I am in a kind of a tough um, immigrant environment. Uh, I'm afraid. I'm running from everything. Sport, I mean, I'm running from sports and gangs and all kinds of stuff. But I find them like a little group of kind of losers like me, meaning people who are, who are afraid to do the normal things and produce their own little environment. And I've run into three or four others that are also afraid. And we begin to find a little community amongst ourselves. And we now, since we can't get them, we're not athletic and we're not fighters, um, we have to begin to go to something else.
3: What do you guys call each other? This should be good.
2: Were we, no, I mean the name of the group? Yeah. No, They didn't know. We, didn't, I didn't know then that we even had, there was no name to the group. Um, but that we met, you know, at night and um, we were all around the same age, 12, 13 or something. And we talk about our plans like, what would, for us, how could we ever succeed? And so within that little group, we began to... Uh, away from the world sort of and we began to learn about the. Uh, maybe we'd become a brother you know in the Catholic world um, John Bosco was a saint and he uh, became a saint through his working with children so there was a society and a way you can go away to be a brother <clears throat> so we'll explore things like that but anyway I guess Gary and Ray early in life and we're going to move to another a buddy of yours that you could really talk to. I mean, just whatever your little life was, you can confide in him. He kind of knew something about you. Let's start with you, Gary. Anybody remember in your early life?
1: Um, yeah, uh, probably uh, at that time it was mostly cousins. Uh, mm-hmm. I was very mm-hmm. within my own large family group as a very young mm-hmm. child. So
2: cousins, huh? Does one maybe stand out more than the others in a way that you two sure. really got along?
1: Sure, there was a cousin that was that's still, you know, we were born at the same time, he's my age. His name's Noel. Absolutely.
2: So you and Noel were kind of buddies. Still can, are. And still are and can talk to each other. And even today? Yeah. You can confide in him and
1: We don't see each other often, but I could call him if I needed to. Absolutely.
2: Uh-huh. And did you feel like you went to, like, as you think today, if I call Noel today, could I go like, to something important, to important places with him if I had a, let's say, a problem? Or, oh, would, ab-
1: absolutely. He yeah. would listen. Yeah?
2: Okay. Ray, early childhood. Let's start with this.
3: Yeah, it's your kid.
2: Oh, my kid. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, it's Adam and Chris and I. You know, that was the, the threesome for a long time. And we'd all confide in each other. And I still do with Chris more so than Adam. You know, and it's still I mean, we've known each other since we were, you know, eight years old or so. Mm-hmm. Nine. Yeah. You know, so we're still all pretty close.
2: Okay, so that's Have to your be a
3: real pinch for me to call Adam. No.
2: So it yeah. didn't it didn't it didn't really extend to adulthood or where you are right no, now. No, it
3: extended through adulthood, okay. absolutely. It you know into the thirties um, and 30s? then with Chris it's it's never ended, you know except for, you know there's been some setbacks with um, addiction and such. I mean you know the story. Uh huh. And then um but as, and in, in youth I I was sought out like uh i never had a strong male figure, so I I sought out um, male figures you know mm-hmm. like um. Like dad figures, mm-hmm. so I, I ran into Will.
2: Yeah, that's right.
3: And Will was a big one for me. Yeah. And then, um, that you know, and then he had a stroke. So, but he's been in my life since I was like six or seven.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I have a few. Yeah, you, you have know. a few. But Gary, let's get back to you for a moment. So, there's no, within the family. Was there a, was there an adult, an uncle, a teacher, or somebody where would listen to you.
1: My sister's fifteen years older than me, so she always kind of served that role. Mm. I mean, she but, hot. She's married with a kid. Ray, I'm kidding. Chill I'm back. Now, uh, there were certainly adults. Uh, there was a teacher that uh, that was very special to me, who I was able to go to if I needed to. But you know, my sister was living with us for a lot of my childhood, even though she was significantly older than me. So. She always was there as a kind of, you know, adult figure that would listen to really any problem I had and give me mm. better advice than the average person would at that age.
2: Okay, so Gary's fortunate. He has someone right in the immediate family. A lot of times brothers or parents or something, we don't find anything of them. But his sister and today what what state does she live in?
1: Uh, she lives in, she oh, lives in California. She lives down in Costa Mesa with her husband and her uh, her five year old son, and I see her all the time. Our relationship is extremely strong.
2: All right. So he's very fortunate um, with Null and and a, and a sister, an older sister that almost maybe even played a little mother role early in his life, but someone she can he could really go to. It's funny that,
3: like, I have, excuse me, I have three siblings, I have three brothers, and, um, you know, Chris has a multitude of brothers and sisters, mostly halves, and so does Adam have a sister, and none of us are, like, when I look at their relationships and my relationships with my brothers, I mean, we're close, but nothing like... Everybody would reference us as as us, and then nobody would reference us with like our brothers. It was always, you know, Chris, Adam, and I. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like a it was like a club unto itself. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, the families. Yeah, pretty unique thing.
2: Yeah, so they really found a group. Um, so now let's uh, let, uh, okay. So we got we we're kind of in the middle. We have the early child, sister, Noel, Will, you know. Um, they have my little group when I was a kid. And um, you know, in, a, in an adult life, um, uh, the camaraderie I would have with musicians would be an area that I would um, find a few that would uh, be interested, particularly those who are interested in jazz, um I I could really talk to him mostly uh in a way of like trying to learn um understand composition and chord structures and so on. And um yeah, then I had a friend Ron Rubin who who was a clarinetist at the um at the Juilliard Institute, uh no at no, Curtis in Philadelphia and eventually got into Philadelphia Orchestra. Um, he was a person that was uh very helpful, uh in, in those middle years. Okay, now podcasters for you. You can see what we're doing. Look at the range we have in here, uh, In here, Gary, twenty six, Ray, about forty seven ish. Uh, are you have a birthday coming up?
3: Yeah. So No yeah, I do. Ten days. Ten and days t- from today. Ten days. What's uh, today's date? Nineteenth. Yeah. Ten days.
2: Right, in ten days, how old will you be?
3: I'll be forty eight.
2: Forty eight. Is that the same as Adam?
3: No, I'm a year older than him. He's okay. going to be 47 on the 27th. Oh, I should have asked you that. You might not have known. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, we're all set for him. Okay. Wait, how old are
3: you? And um, you're 80?
2: I was born in 31, 11. So you're I'm 80. I'm in the 80s year I'm going to have, have an 80th birthday, but not not right. Really. So I'm in my 80th year. when that not, not exactly up to my um, birthday yet. All right, so look at the range we have. Um, And podcasters with us, if you wanted to join in your own way, for you, who was an early childhood person? Or even two or three friends? And how about teachers? We we run into all these teachers, all first categories. Um, Gary, for you, does any teacher at any level stand out for you?
1: Well, yeah. Uh, several Um, I'd say most specifically my kindergarten teacher was very special and she died when I was in second grade so that was she was a very special teacher who I really liked and then it was a kind of a very quick uh, education on the death of someone important to you and then uh, shortly after that when I was in about fifth or sixth grade, I had a teacher uh, named Mrs. Lynn who eventually mm-hmm. went on to become a LAPD officer. She oh. was five foot two and Asian and uh, she went on to become an LAPD cop in Compton.
2: Oh, God.
1: Perfect. Oh, <laughs> no. That's pretty much what I thought. Ooh. But uh, she was a hard lady. I wouldn't have wanted to mess with her.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so for Gary, the kin- he hits it right in the first time he steps into a school, kindergarten. Um, and he finds someone that he really has a a relationship and a harmony, but she dies, which must have been quite traumatic uh, for him uh, at, that, at that stage, second grade, I think he said, first or second grade. Ray, how about you, a teacher?
3: <clears throat> well, I think I had a couple of football coaches in Pop Warner, and then um, teacher-wise, I'd say junior high like Mr. Walters who was a notorious hard ass but he really liked me kind of thing mm-hmm. like I'd been to his house and things like oh, that yeah. mm-hmm. you know and um I remember going to his house he had three daughters and one son and the son was on the slight side and the three daughters were pretty beautiful and I was in junior high and um, I met his wife, and his wife had a necklace on, right? And that was a day of where you wore gold jewelry, you know, Italian horns. And um, and um, his wife had a um, necklace on that said, dumbass. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was just, when I look back on it, I go, like, I go, you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. You know, but that was the norm, you know. That mm-hmm. was, and he was, you know, considered a... a, a I mean, I still like him. I mean, I don't have any ill thoughts of him. But when I think of what he did and, you know, he would call kids donkeys and, you know, it was pretty – to be in his favor was a good thing. To be on the opposite side was pretty horrible. And to win favor with him, you know, I spoke at his retirement also and, Mm. you know, right out of high school. So it was – he's got to be dead. But – Pretty, pretty weird, pretty weird times. Like, Adam would tell stories about him and, you know, mm-hmm. what he did and this kind of stuff and that kind of stuff. But I had gym for four periods. Wow. You know? I had gym. I was good at it. For, you know, my, ni- my senior year of junior high, I had I a had, uh, gym class for four periods of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Which, yeah. you know, I would never let my child do if I had a child. Yeah. It's crazy.
2: Okay, so we now explored another level. Podcasters for you—an outstanding, say, teacher. <coughs> Sometimes in elementary school, or how about high school? Ray, it uh, um, sounded like it was more like high school. No, no, he was in that league, so that might have been. Oh, no, junior high. Yeah, junior high. Uh, <coughs> so, for you, what would that be? <coughs>
3: Did you have any teachers? <laughs> Would
2: well, they dare come in? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had teachers. Um I'm trying to think that you know one one stands out in the sense of um uh she protected me. I, I my world of schooling was, was to do with fear and um the kind of blackboard jungle schools and I was always just trying to survive and didn't do very little as far as anything in the school. But I remember one teacher in, um, I think, yeah, I think it was elementary or was it junior high. Um, She really, wow, what's her name? Her name, (laughs) 60 years later, was almost somewhere very close to coming out, Mrs. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, God, I wish I could think of her. I think she saved me.
3: What did she like save you from like some situation where you were being bullied or something and would grab you or um,
2: no it wasn't so much that as that she she had, she was a kindness about her and knowing um the predicament i was i, I was in as a child, a real sensing of a uh, certain caring that I needed and she applied that and um and she and she got she made me a she enlisted me. She, I would say, made me as a safety, which uh, I would have never done on my own. In other words, you know, nobody, maybe they still have them.
3: Well, like know. a safety monitor. Yeah. Well, you wore a sash or something. Yeah, we
2: wear little. Uh, yeah, a lot of kids. Wait, you were a safety straight. monitor? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, How'd that work out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it somehow gave me a little. It gave prestige. you authority? Yeah, huh? a little authority. she, she kind of knew that. And she, and she went in that direction with me. Um, so she would be important. I'm surprised you're not a cop. <laughs> Lynn and I, mm, <laughs> she thinks she's tougher than I am. Does she? Um, I'm 6'4". These, these two guys see me. Most people don't know me. I think 6'4 or 6'5". I'm about 250, and I can bench press 5'6". You might you be know,
3: all of a, a quarter of all of that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, God. Time you're, time.
3: you're about, what are you, five?
2: I'm a, if I I'm I guess I get older, I'm getting smaller, so I figure. Five, uh, six. I'll, I'll disappear. <laughs> I'll disappear in about five years.
3: <laughs> Back to the womb.
2: <laughs> I, um, yeah, I used to be. If I really stood up straight about five, nine, I think. Ah,
3: you're like that. Now. No, I'm a
2: little drooped over. Okay. Um, okay. So, contest is kind of a interesting, kind of spontaneous subject. We come so related to thinking. I'm saying we need. Do you have somebody you could talk intelligently? You can speak about um, even somewhat. Where, you know, who am I, and uh, what's the meaning of my life? There's a lot of people we can talk to and say a lot of things to, but we can't talk that way. Um, It's very important, I'm saying, related to deeper thinking, to have a deeper person, what I'm calling a philosophical friend, to go deeper. And you might see, do I have anyone in my life like that? And, And next week, I'll pick up on that idea. But we went around the horn today, and so our situation, and in my own life, about fifteen years ago, I got hooked up with men. Now, um, and we began to form a little group of, of bringing our deepest material related to consciousness. And fifteen years later, fifteen years later, we formed. Now people are in different places, but we formed a phone situation where. Um, we speak to each other once a week and bring to each other um, our um, our, uh, our uh, capacity and what's the obstacles in the way of our going further in our consciousness.
3: Are you talking about the lecture group?
2: Well, no, no, the lecture group. They're in, they're in the lecture group. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, so eventually, Pod... Yes there are people if there is such a thing in the earth? It is now there is now <laughs> okay um think about that in your life. The importance of someone to go to important places related um, to some kind of inner work towards consciousness also before we leave today, I want to begin to suggest things that um uh, that Related to the work that I'll, I'll be doing, I, I want to uh, introduce a magazine called uh, Shambola Sun. It's a magazine put out by the Buddhists. Um, Shambola, S H A M B H A H A L A.
1: And we'll get a picture of that and put it on the website oh, okay. so people have an easier time finding oh, it.
2: Okay. So that's one magazine related to the Buddhist world. The other one is Parabola. And we're gonna, Gary says we're going to put that on so people can find it. This is another magazine to do with uh, uh, spiritual traditions, meeting uh, kind of science and um, uh, Western civilization.
3: That's the magazine you read in your office when you get there early.
2: Have you? Yeah. Have you seen one? Yeah. yeah? I haven't I have one. And the third one Gary will put on is called Enlightenment Next, and this is. Uh, some good visionary writers, um, not pie-in-the-sky people, scientific, um, one being Ken Wilber. Uh, he's a leading uh, uh, evolutionary consciousness person, probably the, one of the best in the world, and he writes for this magazine too. So these three magazines, and also books along the way that I see that I think could be of um, of help. Okay, so I see the time... Mark, um, we can, you can put that background music on, so we can just talk through it if you don't want to. Uh, All stand.
1: right, well, before I get there, do you want to uh, go ahead and read this letter? And uh,
3: That's the and, what we were talking about earlier, Jim. Uh, it's on um, the screen.
1: <clears throat> oh, I see. If it's easier, I could just read it, and yeah. then you guys, okay, so. You read it. Um. All right, so. And this was uh, emailed in to Jim jimcarolla at adamcarolla.com. Please feel free to email us or Twitter us. I do get them, and uh, we do appreciate the input. This letter uh, is from Gail. It says Dear Jim, you mentioned on your last podcast that you would like to hear whether or not we, the listeners, want you to cover more on the earliest bonding or template between parent and child and how it affects future relationships. I am extremely interested in hearing more and encourage you to continue. In my case, I think my mother and father emphasized me conforming to their needs rather than the other way around. For example, they would bottle feed me according to a rigid schedule, put me to bed at specific times, not answer my cries, and try to teach me to be independent from the earliest days. Thus, it is. Thus, it probably would feel familiar to me to seek a relationship where I would find out and meet others' needs over my own. Keep on podcasting. Gail.
2: Okay, Gail. You know, you have important insight already. So stay stay with that insight. Um, realize that um that kind of um development for you uh and you hit it right on the head and you're gonna seek the same dynamics of that of that development, of that uh, template formed through bonding. So your awareness of that now and I don't know how old you are or whether you're married or looking for a relationship or um you might wanna wanna say a little more about that. Remember one thing about that. Hold on, it's yeah. um
3: it's one th- she's bottle feeding her child.
2: Okay. Um, that was a joke, Jim. You yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I'm aware it was a joke. All right. Um let's see, uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah. Okay, uh, okay, lost that trend of that thought. Um anyway, any Gail uh, you could um if you want to say a little more. Age level, um even if in, in the dating world, maybe some of the problems you... Find, we can, then we can work with that a little bit. Um, one thing is that I want to remember, I think, in that template, is that when that template goes wrong, um, that, is the, um, that is the template for other, for, for other relations, particularly the male-female relationship. Um, in your case, yeah, your mother. And one wondering about your father, um, what his um, his connection to that for the male portion of it. So maybe you can, if you'd like to, you could um, say something about that and write in. But remember, one thing is, first place, if that begins to go right early in our life, remember that idea that you relax, the baby, the infant can relax into something in himself now, herself um because that dance and that relationship is is uh is calming and uh, and the, that emphasizes the trust in myself and that because trust issues come from that the trust of relationship um that 's an area that you know I know that I have and I have now um and uh, that's one of the things that grown from this early template. But anyway, let's hear from you more so we can um and a lot, there's a lot of people like you that are having the same thing out there and we could um, uh they could get some help as well. Good, very good feedback. Okay, folks, we come oh, boy. It's okay, it's really our ending time. Um so uh, we are we're going to put the magazines uh on the air. So you'll see if you're interested uh, to pick one or more, and um, see if it, uh, if it helps you, and even what uh, related as uh, the readings for what we'll do uh, here on the show. So tonight we talked the mechanics of mind, um, and we talked about the the um, rat experiments and the psychological in the, li- in the laboratories, and particularly that there's parts of our brain that control our behavior, and they could be at any time set off, and we'll react to them. So the mechanicalness of mind. But there is a possibility of a self. What I'm calling, and I'll say about more of this later, we're running out of time now, is a um, non-biological essential self. That's not just in the range of ordinary mind and um thought forms, and so'll we'll, we'll a philosophical
3: and a philosophical friend
2: yeah, no, that's a good really reminds me of that, yeah, the philosophical friend is very important. Let's hear about that. Do you have one, and um we're glad to talk about it, okay, so we're through for, we got everything in um uh and so we'll see you uh hopefully. Number four, okay.
3: 64 notes.
2: One, two, one, two, three. Okay. So this is our little jazz rhythm section. We actually should be playing something than this. And we have something we call, what is that name, right? Did you block it out? What's that thing we do? 64 notes? Um, That's what you do. Okay, now, what, what, what is this process called? Ray getting ready to leave? Yeah, Ray getting ready to <laughs> leave, right? Um. Hey, Gary, do you scat? Oh, okay, why I are you do throwing? Not.
1: Give, I do not. scat. Uh,
2: give Noel a yeah. call. Oh, God. I'll you. call
1: Noel. Maybe he yeah. scats
2: or Mrs. Lane. sha yeah. What's it's it called? Scat team sha ba boo day all of you do you are boo bay sha do yeah here goes Ray do Bada do day yes yeah, he remember that bada do day beep beep do da ba ba do da bay ba ba boo bay okay here we go beep Bop boom bop bop, do day 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 oh. ba, ba, dee, ba, dee, ba, dee. Oh. all right, sixty-fourth notes. Here we go. Beat up the blemishes, <coughs> the bottle clean up the Don't danger jump, jumping We won, we won. Don't do we not you day, day, down, Jim. Oh, 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 to oh, oh, yeah.
3: do
0: this. <laughs>
2: Baba Ray, Ray gets new sounds coming now, right? We're all here. Um, okay, pod, podcasters, um, don't forget to turn into, when you turn into the show, um, the music part, let me know what you think of that. That's, would you like to hear a little music history? Would you like to hear a little more of George Gershwin? And how about
3: sending you some requests that you could possibly play? Yeah. There you go.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's an idea. I wish I'd have thought of that.
0: <laughs> Reach the show on Twitter at LLWJC or email us at Jim Carolla at AdamCarolla.com